Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London Is Blue podcast. That's right. No Brandon today. Dan here, back from uh, a couple weeks away out of the country. Brandon's not feeling too well, a little under the weather, so he was uh, sitting out just like Pedro today. But you know what? We got a deep bench. You know, no Danny Drinkwater to pull from, but Nick and Mike F. are both here with us today. Nick, how you feeling after that wonderful uh, Wendy's tweet about Scott Frost and your Nebraska Huskers? Oh, man. Yeah, those the the problem is so I'm in Kansas City and VML is in Kansas City and they run the Wendy's account so I know three of the people who might have tweeted that and it just kind of made me that much more upset um, than I would have been otherwise. So that was cool. Um, really, really down sports weekend for your boy over here. Just just didn't have a good one, uh, Mike. It was it was a little brutal. Yeah, I mean, minus a poor performance, I, I had a pretty good weekend. Took uh, the ferry out to the, you know, the Olympic Peninsula. Saw some beautiful mountains and the water, and you know, um, woke up really, really early and uh, struggled to stay awake for the the five thirty a.m. match on the West Coast. But yeah, you know, not as bad of a weekend as you, Nick. No, no, and Brandon 
feeling, I think, Dan, it's the post-Octoberfest blues, um, where one where one stomach probably isn't isn't performing on all cylinders. That doesn't actually sound like it could be possible, Nick. It's not even October hmm. yet. It it is clearly September, hmm. according to my calendar. Well, it gets so damn cold in Minnesota, they have to do it early. It's a whole thing. All right. Well, before this turns into a lifestyle podcast, we are here to talk <laughs> about Chelsea. We are here to talk about the draw versus West Ham. But we do have another this season, first-time guest joining us. We have Mike Ryan from the Dan Lebertard Show joining us. Mike, welcome to the podcast. It's an honor to be here. I uh, listen every week, so this is a real thrill for me. Well, you know, we'd love to uh, give you a moment to you know, tell the fans a little bit about how you became involved with rooting for Chelsea and to maybe take one or two moments to talk about how you how maybe you now have a split love uh, between your wife and uh, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> uh, well, I became uh, a Chelsea fan um, during uh, Mourinho's first stint. Um, and I know that kind of seems a little bit like a glory hunter situation, but back then, um, Premier League teams uh, weren't all readily available on, on multi-platform devices as they are now. Now one can say you're a Cardiff fan and actually watch Cardiff every week. Back then, you sort of had to choose one of the elite squads if you wanted to be able to watch uh, your team on a regular basis. And I became a fan primarily because of uh, DDA Drogba. Um, my dog is named Roma. I was a Roma fan sort of at first um, because of Francesco Totti. And um, sort of uh, the way that I fell in love with Toti and supported his club team, that's uh, sort of how it went uh, for drug. Uh, and then Chelsea was just on American television so often that they sort of supplanted uh, uh, Roma as my number one team. And uh, I've been uh, diehard uh, ever since. Um, uh, love, love the Blues. And uh, yes, uh, I'm, I'm right now trying to reconcile who I love more. Uh, my wife or Baker Mayfield, and um, <laughs> she's not she's not gonna like the answer. <laughs> well, that's okay. She probably will not be a listener of the podcast, uh, and if so, we will find a way to block it from her, you know, ability to subscribe or something. We'll make we'll make sure that this doesn't hit her ears. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Nick, we want to move through what we got going on today, but before that, we did get a couple of iTunes reviews that we want to throw some shout-outs for for leaving some five-star love across the Apple Podcasts world. Correct, Dan. Correct. Uh, we got Wowski420, which, you know, anytime there's a 420 in your name, you know, I just assume. Um, Jimbrowski, uh, 1234, and Van Gelder, all with the five-star love, Dan. Uh, what what would someone do if they wanted to perhaps get featured on the on the show next week? Well, all they need to do is to head to the Apple Podcast platform in their country, drop a little five star review, and you know we'll we'll give them a shout out. It's not that hard. We don't have any new Patreon individuals to shout out, Mike, but uh, I think you've been working on a couple of uh, designs, mock up things that might be dropping through that and. Uh, you might want to you know, give a little tease, you know, peek behind the veil of why people might want to kind of look there very shortly. Yeah, we, we have some swag coming out for our Patreons, uh, maybe T-shirts, maybe something else a little bit special, maybe maybe a coffee mug or two and a few other things. Uh, definitely, you know, good things to have while you're uh, watching the Chels on a Saturday or Sunday morning. Excellent. Excellent. You're, you're a tease is what you are, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, 
one more thing we want to talk about before we hit the match review and uh, you know talk about how we managed to stay awake this morning watching Chelsea play is the London trip <laughs> that we're taking, Nick. We are going back. We're going back with our friends XL Tours. It is a post-Christmas slash New Year's trip that we're taking to see Crystal Palace in Southampton, and it's going to be a great time. It's the London is Blue festive series spectacular extra cool trip that we're taking um official title of our trip and so yeah really just wanted to continue to shout this out we probably will for a couple more weeks just to make sure everyone hears that we're uh that we're doing this so uh, if you go look at our uh, our website uh, on the homepage, there'll be a link to it but um it's uh london is blue podcast dot com forward slash london trip is the actual url all the information that you would ever need and some really cool video that we shot the last time we were in London is featured on the page. Uh, it includes a link to go register through the XL tour site, which is what you have to do to be officially registered. Um, basically you want to come on this because it will be a riot. Uh, we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of beers. Uh, we're going over new Year's, So I think it'll be an, a little extra special. I think everyone might be turned up to 11 the entire trip, uh, which will be great. Uh, but what does this include? Uh, includes your hotel for the entire time and includes your match tickets, which, uh, if you don't know, are very hard to get. So it's nice to have a guaranteed match ticket for Crystal Palace away on the 29th and Southampton home on, on New Year's Day, which will be really fun and interesting uh, time as well. And then it's New Year's in London. It's one of the best cities to be in for New Year's Eve. So we'll probably be raging pretty hard on, <laughs> on New Year's Eve. Uh, any special requests that you have, any questions you have, DM us, email us, uh, which is contact at londonisbluepodcast.com, and we will make sure to uh, either answer your question or route it to XL, XL Tour so they can answer your question. Uh, if you need special requests on anything, uh, this is the way to go. So do it. Sign up. Let's, uh, let's have a nice group of like 20, 25 people, and let's, uh, let's go take over uh, London for a weekend, huh? Well, Nick, it will certainly not be the blue Christmas that uh, people talk about being a bad thing. It is a blues Christmas that we are looking to have with some people. And beyond that, we have a match review to discuss. We played West Ham away in the Premier League just this Sunday at the wonderful London Stadium. Bubbles were everywhere, and it was a pretty nil-nil affair. Uh, it was a 0-0 draw, and there were no correct score predictions, but as Brandon, who did have a little influence on this script, pointed out that Mavic underscore John on Instagram said, I know this is going to sound ridiculous, <laughs> but 8-0. And uh, we, were, we were very far <laughs> off from a 8-0 match this game. But uh, I know, Mike, you know, typically I would run through the lineup, but uh, since we are absent of Brandon, why don't you uh, throw, throw, a little, uh, throw a little effort out there and uh, run us through what we had going on. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, hey, yeah. sounds good. Um, all right, so <laughs> in goal, once again, we have the indomitable Keppa. Um, the back four stayed the same with Rudiger and Louise at center back, and you had Dave and Alonzo wide. Um, and then midfield, once again, stays the same. It's our trio of Mateo, uh, Conte, and uh, Jorginho. And then once again, up front, we've got William because Pedro was on the bench. Uh, you had Giroud getting the start over Murata, and we had as well the one and only Eden Hazard. And, and we had uh, three substitutes there too. Gary Cahill comes in for Rudiger due to injury. Uh, Alvaro Murata comes in for Giroud, and then 
Ross Barkley makes the final substitutes appearance. And uh, if you were looking for youth on the bench, it was not there. Zappacosta, Moses, Willie C., and Cesc Fabregas rounded out the lineup. A couple quick stats would be that Chelsea, uh, you know, even a little draw can manage a 72% possession, six shots on target out of 17 total shots, almost 1,000 touches of the ball, 932, 757 passes in total. Um, But again, as we go typically to our talking points, goals, as Brandon put in here, LOL, because there were none, (laughs) we will move straight on to questions (laughs) and discuss movement in the final third, which was probably one of the biggest points of contention and a little bit of post-match press conference sorry highlighted one thing that was very absent today which was the off the ball movement of pedro did mention that he is the best player in the team has of movement without the ball and you know i think uh mike ryan as we saw this match today unfold how did you feel as you were watching that last final third movement? Did you did you see that kind of missing, especially with the fact that we had both William and Hazard on the flanks who both love to work with the ball at their feet and are less, you know, kind of optimal when they have uh, when they're without the ball? Yeah, this was absolutely a game to me that um, desperately needed uh, Pedro. Um, it was a little bizarre um, watching how West Ham approached William because I felt like he had a lot of space and uh, anytime he had the ball um, he seemed unmarked and uh, West Ham would just sort of wait it out until he crossed nobody over um, and uh, just <laughs> waited for someone to meet up with him um, yeah I was uh, bummed uh, that Pedro couldn't go but I think you can understand that on the on the uh, short rest the, the delay that happened over in Greece and that was a really nasty um, collision that he had, um, all in all, um, still had enough opportunities to win the game. I think, uh, the bigger concern really is why Eden Hazard looked like he played a full 90 in Greece despite not even making the trip. Yeah. I mean, Mike Ryan, that, that was kind of the, the big takeaway that I had is not that Hazard played bad today because I, I don't think he did necessarily. It just didn't look energized. It didn't look like you know, there was maybe you know as much uh, sharpness as as we saw, you know his ridiculous performance against Cardiff. You know, like he to me, he looked he looked exactly like you said, like he had played the full ninety in Greece, and and William clearly was was leggy as well. It made me wonder of all the days, you know, just kind of understanding, you know, uh, Mauricio Sarri and the way that he forms his team. Why someone like Moses or why someone like Callum Hudson Adoy wasn't brought in to to add some legs, add some uh, enthusiasm, maybe try something different? Because uh, you know, after the first half, the the movement in final third ended up being just standing around. You know, there were multiple opportunities where the ball was brought down either wing, uh, and the most dangerous person uh, the entire match until he got subbed was Kovacic, who was able to kind of carry the ball and create something. And give Eden a little bit of room, but there there didn't seem to me to be any sort of cut and thrust. There didn't seem to be any uh, runs being made off other runs. You know, it just looked like you know William makes his run, uh, as you adequately said, crosses nobody up, uh, and then puts in a terrible cross or plays the ball back and it goes around the horn again. I mean, it was just very very frustrating to watch. And look, I realized that. You know, uh, Mike, that these are 
these are uh, professional players and, and West Ham put nine behind the ball again. Like I realize that it's going to be frustrating, but it just didn't have anything, you know, real to offer. And I think you could make the really strong case that West Ham had the better chances to score and, and probably could have won on a different day. Oh, no doubt. I mean, it, it usually could have been two, nothing West Ham. Um, I think we were let down by tactics. Uh, this was definitely shades of the Newcastle match in which, you know, we allowed a team to almost play a flat nine at times, and but we stayed so compact and tried to pass through the middle. And for me, I felt like up until, I don't think until the 70th minute, you really didn't see Dave bombing down the wings and overlapping. It, I almost feel like he was told by Sari to hold back as, as we were worried about getting maybe caught on the counter. And I think that really kept, you know, as we brought that ball up on the left or through the center, it really allowed the defense to cheat over. And, and you know, and even when William got the ball on the wings, you know, uh, Dave wasn't there to overlap to then whip in a, a, a across so i think it really we were let down by the lessons that we learned against newcastle and, and just didn't implement them this week as we have in the past few well mike as you mentioned the the crosses you know i just think back to the fact that when you looked at you know some of the individuals we had in the box today we didn't necessarily equip ourselves with the best individual to be you know height wise claiming <laughs> a cross off of it you know we we you know, had a Golo Conte potentially had two chances off uh, headers to to score, which you know is a little ludicrous there. You know, Giroud, you know, did get one or two targets in there. Jorginho had a nice little uh, ball over the top, just a, a tad missed time that could have been potentially converted into a goal. So I, I don't know if I fully agree, Nick, that we potentially you know that West Ham had the better opportunities to win. I think actually unexpected goals. We had two. West Ham had an expected goal of like 0.93. So the, the stats would tell you, uh, as you know, I love them. They, we should have won the game um, in every, you know, every category. But ultimately, you can have all the passes in the world. You can have all the touches. But if you don't score a goal, then you, know, you, you walk away you know, uh, with a draw and two drop points, which, uh, again, it, you know, I think at, at 16 out of 18 points to start the season, we all would have taken that. It just is unfortunate after a run of you know six games across all competitions winning to now go to the seventh game, all comps, and now have a draw against a London rival just kind of has a little bit of a, a deflating feeling to it that at the beginning of the season, if we had offered it to someone, you would have taken it 100% of the time. You would have given up, you know, like something of value <laughs> for it. Yeah, and so uh, two things being one that yes the the mass overreaction by Chelsea Twitter today was absolutely ridiculous um i know it was a frustrating game guys i i know this wasn't like the most fun thing in the world to to watch and get up for it 7:30 or 5:30 in the morning but man like 16 of 18 points can we figure it out can we as a group figure it out and and be okay, like take our take our lessons and, and put them in and, and be okay with that. Uh, second thing being, and, and Mike Ryan, I want to get your perspective on this. I think our strikers are really struggling with movement in the final third for various reasons. One being that the service coming from wide is not super right now, uh, to say the least. Uh, and then two, I think that they're struggling – because both Morata and Giroud are both leaders of the line, that they are so far forward 
that the window of space that they have to really do anything with the ball, if it's coming directly from the heart of midfield or from out wide, is very small. And I think that Giroud last week saw a lot more uh, joy out of you know playing a little bit further back, waiting for more of his runs to come. And, and, you know, even this week saw a couple over-the-top balls that he got a run on to. So do you think that the spacing is a part of the issue, or do you think that it's just a lack of technical ability with the runs? Well, I thought today was actually a little bit more uh, about the runs. It's it's hard for me to sort of extrapolate exactly what the issue is with the crosses. I sort of want to answer your question with a question as to why I noticed uh, Dave's crosses uh, to Murata, but whenever Murata is not in, he doesn't have that same sort of chemistry, and that sort of uh, aspect of the game seems to to go away. Um, all in all, maybe look the book on Sorry from listening to podcasts such as yourselves um, was that Sorry's rotation, especially when you get into European fixtures. Uh, leaves something to be desired in terms of getting fresh legs in there. I understand the strategy of maybe the game in Greece was probably the most difficult um, in terms of this uh, group stage of uh, Europa League, and he wanted to go in there and secure three points, and then maybe later we'll see a little bit more rotation. But I saw a team um, that looked a a little tired, a little dead-legged. You understand the, the travel issues that they had in Greece, but I'm still not sure where that excuses players like Eden Hazard, ultimately. Yeah, so thinking about that part, you know, Mike, and maybe we could just kind of uh, pin on this. You know, where where do you feel like Eden's struggles came in this game? You know, I, I as I was kind of watching, you know, he definitely was getting the two, three-player treatment. You know, he definitely probably wasn't feeling the love when he gets taken down right in front of Mike Dean, uh, a few feet outside the box, and nothing happens. It just seemed like he was a little, you know, just not as sharp as we've seen him this season or seen him for for Belgium uh, this past couple months. You know, it wasn't the the selfish Eden of uh, the Cardiff City match. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I <clears throat> I think of uh, Michael Jordan when when I look at Eden sometimes, and it's you know you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take, and he has to learn to just fire away. Sometimes, you know, let you know let let Giroux and some of the other guys clean up some of your, your shots and, you know, rebounds. Um, I definitely think that I was worried within the first, what was it? Five, 10 minutes in which he had given the ball away two or three times, pretty sloppy. And it just felt like he wasn't there to really ball. And I think that's that one little aspect of his game that separates him from being that elite, you know, one, two players in the world because they're, he just has off games, you know? And, and I don't know. I mean, having played growing up my whole life, everybody has an off game. Teams have an off game. You know, we tend to have some hoodoo with West Ham because, you know, no matter, you know, if they're in the bottom three, they always get up for these games. And we just don't seem to, at least today, we weren't ready for it. All right. So another key conversation point, and, you know, we, we did after having Gary uh, Gary Hayes on, Talked a little bit about N'Golo Conte in that episode. We talked a little bit about N'Golo Conte today, our striker slash midfielder slash energizer bunny. Definitely had a lot to do in the attacking midfield role. And Nick, I feel like you are ready to sound off on your boy, N'Golo Conte. Yeah, and guys, this was the most frustrating part of the whole day. Um, 
as referenced in the in, in question one, I think Ingola probably had two or three chances that he could have put away for for the team today, and and he didn't. Right? He, I think everyone can look at the game he played and realize that he struggled uh, mightily in in the final third. And I think just with his spacing overall, he did not have a great game. Um, I am not telling you that he had a great game. Uh, all I'm saying is for for the thousands of haters, including you, Ryan Beck, who I'm, you know, we, we went back and forth on Twitter, so it's all good. But I'm just, you know, I want to I want to call this out to to jump on him and and you know, and I've I've saw the range of emotions go from should never play in the midfield again to maybe he had an off game. So it was it was a wide range of emotions. Uh, I, look, guys, just just like the team, can can we give this man a chance to try and figure it out, or are we just going to write off one of the best midfielders in the world because he's not a natural goal scorer? I, I think through the end of this, you know, probably end of October, I would say, you know, if, if he doesn't figure it out by then or, or he's still having, you know, maybe what I would consider a negative impact in the final third, then, you know, maybe you try and figure out a different way to play him or the formation changes or or he doesn't play as much. Like, there, there are multiple different scenarios here that I can see happening. But, man, the, you know, for, for the last two years, nobody in their right mind would have ever taken him out of the midfield because he was doing such important work. Now he's the guy that is, is ruining the game for us and is the reason we're losing. And I would all I would say to that, and I'll, I'll pass to Mike Ryan here, is... Eden Hazard should be the guy. William should be the guy. Giroud should be the guy. Alvaro Morata should be the guy to score those goals that they had chances to score. And Morata got really unlucky today, to be fair. He hit um, hit our boy in the face, uh, which didn't seem very friendly. But um, I, all I'm saying is give him a chance. Give him a chance and let the other guys do what they do best and score the goals. Like All I want to see N'Golo do in this you know high-pressing scenario Mike Ryan is to win the ball up high and give the rest of our really talented attack attackers who are paid millions of pounds a year to score the ball to do just that that's all I want I uh I completely uh agree with that take it's uh, accurate and also though it does really feel like we're saying Murata got unlucky after every game he has this weird <laughs> innate ability to make us say that after every game I think he leads the world in almost goals. Uh, but to your <laughs> but to your point about uh, to your point about Conte, um, Ngolo Conte is Ngolo Conte. He's never been this tremendous goal scorer. To point at him um, for what happened today is fairly ludicrous. When that's really never been his job. I think I, I'd hope that Chelsea Twitter and 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 the vocal part of the fan base that uh, I understand why they're frustrated, dropping points at West Ham. Um, but I, I, I'd like to hope they took a lesson from what's happened with Marcos Alonso. Um, give Sari and world-class players an opportunity to figure something out. It's still relatively early, especially for these players that have been in um, uh, World Cup rosters, especially the ones that made deep runs. Um, trust the quality of an N'Golo Kante. Yeah, he missed certain opportunities, um, but so did people that you pay to actually score the goals to, to single him out. Um, when I still thought he did some fairly good things on the defensive end and we don't really see him erasing players 
uh, with the same sort of regularity um, in this system and more is being put on his plate, um, I would sort of defer to the manager um, and trusting a world-class player to, to figure it out. Um, I'm sort of happy that he has had the opportunities that he's had in this early going. I think we're all sort of surprised by that, even though we expected it in the system. I just always assumed that Kovacic would be the person <laughs> that would be getting more of the opportunities. And today was a sort of weird game where it sort of dictated uh, that he got the opportunities. But uh, ultimately, and I trust the manager to figure it out. Yeah, I got to say, I think we would. this would be a much different conversation had you know Conte nicked one or two of those goals. I mean, I, I almost applaud uh, Sorry for his almost like uh, Philly-esque or Philly special esque play where Ugh. you've got Giroud in the box and it's, you know, it's, we're targeting the little guy. He, I mean, it, it you know, different day, we could be talking about uh, N'Golo Kante hat trick. So I agree. I think, I think unfortunately he's getting scapegoated for, I think the lack of offensive production we're seeing from the entire midfield. We need one of those three guys to knock in the ball. Uh, you know, we need them to pick up a goal every other match or something like that and I, I think what hurts us from what I'm watching is that you know was Barkley the first midfielder to actually take a shot today outside of the couple chances that Conte had you know so I would love to see you know Kovacic and Jorginho take one or two opportunities a match to try and you know work some magic and you know I gotta agree with you Nick I'm, I'm tired of of the, you know social media going nuts I mean we kind of had a taste of it with people going you know kind of ape shit over a one nothing win in the Europa League and now, you know, we 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 you know, God help the you know, that we get a zero zero draw, you know. We've we haven't lost a game in six matches in the Premier League with a brand new manager who had barely any time and not many, you know, incoming transfers. So I think people need to um check their expectations and realize that this this match is what we could have very, very easily been looking at the last five matches. And we were able to work that magic to get it done. And we were pretty darn close today. So, you know, stop worrying about Liverpool and, you know, just realize that the team needs time for really the system. Quick, really quick, Mike. For those who want N'Golo to be on the bench for our next couple of games, do you realize who we're playing? <laughs> Like, do you do you realize we're playing Liverpool and we need every ounce of N'Golo Conte at his defensive finest to even have a fighting chance in that game? You know, Jurgen Klopp's had this team rolling for three seasons now, and they've picked up really good additions. And Liverpool is just a really good team, guys, like they are. And to to take out N'Golo Conte now because he missed a couple of chances and instead not focus on what he's bringing to the table in other areas, I think would be incredibly short-sighted. And Dan, I think that sets us up for failure playing teams that are a lot more dynamic offensively than West Ham. Yeah, I think here, here's the probably the biggest challenge that we've had is you know we, we still haven't figured out a way to be consistent in dealing with teams that defend with two banks of, of you know, Two banks of four stacked directly on top of each other. So, you know, eight man defenses plus a keeper. And then you have, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's a nine man defense. Maybe it's a 10 man defense. Uh, you know, we, we did see like Antonio kind of with some forward movement. Felipe Anderson had some forward movement for West Ham today. So they were definitely trying to play the counter and, you know, had some success with that, at least moving the ball forward a couple times. But, 
you know, ultimately, like, Angola Conte is a great player. Did he have his best game in a Chelsea shirt today? No. So I think I think the, the challenge is figuring out, you know, to the point that Mike Ryan made, is how does Sarri find a way to balance this midfield trio, which does not have a natural goal scorer, which when you look at, you know, what other clubs are doing, whether it be Liverpool, whether it be City, you know, goals have to come from the attackers, but they also have to come from the midfield if we're going to look at challenging across multiple competitions. Because there are days, like today, where and Hazard isn't at his best, Giroud is struggling a little bit, um, William isn't kind of is a little leggy after doing a full, you know, full kind of treading out there when it comes to you know the Europa League match and, and playing his heart out there. It, it, you know, you're going to need someone else to come up with a goal, and it would be nice for Angola Conte to be one of those people. It would be nice for Kovacic to be one of those people. It'd be great if Jorginho chipped one in as well, but that's not their makeup. And so, if that's going to be the case, then it might be a personnel change at some point in the future. Um, I mean, you know, again, I, I don't think Mason Mount is ready yet, uh, much to the kind of uh, sadness that some people might hear, but he is developing, and that's what you're going to want to see eventually in the future is him with two other midfielders like Jorginho and someone else that can really give this midfield some flexibility and someone who's going to bring a ball forward. You'll be like, oh, this guy can score, and that's going to potentially relieve a little bit of the pressure off some of our attackers, Nick. Yeah, and I, I think too, I, there's not. I'm just I'm not making a bunch of excuses for Ngolo here. I you know I said up front he's he did not have his best game in a Chelsea shirt, and I will concede that point to all who are angrily tweeting at me as they're listening to this. the The point that I really want to bring up though is I think that Maurizio Sarri is clearly not cooking with all of the ingredients that he bought. Um, Jorginho is a very important part of that, and we will get into him in a second because I think you know the team doesn't really move as well without him but um, point being that I think in a in a game against a bottom half of the table team like a West Ham where we need to go score goals I think a more dynamic midfield where you did a 4-2-3-1 uh, brought in Pedro for um, you know for maybe Kovacic or N'Golo Conte depending on who you wanted to be the two uh maybe provides you with some more dynamism. Now, obviously, Pedro isn't available today, so it's a stupid argument that I'm making against myself, but um, maybe that's a solution to help us break teams down more if we have more kind of willing runners. But Willian and Hazard have to be better in the spaces that they're given. I mean, Mike Ryan was right earlier. The, the amount of space that Willian was given for a you know kind of a top-notch Premier League player was almost ludicrous, and... There didn't seem to be any ambition to take on players or provide any extra space for runners to come in. So I think it was just a poor offensive effort in general. And probably, you know, N'Golo Conte was the, the cherry on that Sunday. All right. So we've talked a lot about the midfield, but, you know, I think you bring up a good point, Nick. We didn't talk about Jorginho yet. And you know what? As much as we talk about stats not always mattering um, when it comes to, you know, if we, we don't win, but Jorginho broke a Premier League record versus West Ham with 180 attempted passes. Um, but I think the, the real question is, like, does, does that actually matter if ultimately we don't produce a result out of it? And 
you know, Mike, I, I think, you know, it's got to be kind of pulling at the heartstrings a little bit here. You're happy with the fact that he is kind of moving the ball, continue to recycle it, you know, played some nice balls forward this time, almost got Drew into a position to score. But at the same time, you know, when it's you have all this possession, you don't do anything with it, it can be a little bit of a frustrating experience. Oh, for sure. I, I, I got to say, hell no, I, I don't care about stats like this, especially when it doesn't lead to anything <laughs> on the pitch. Um, you know, I think there's a little b- part of me that says, you know, if I want to go watch somebody kick a ball and, you know, play teacups into a wall, you know, back and forth, you know, I'll do something else. But I, I you know, we, we know this, uh, sorry defends by holding possession of the ball. And, and I understand that and I get that. And, and that's, that's what Jorginho's role is. Um, I would like to start seeing us do a little bit more with 70 plus percent of possession you know, 17 shots on goal. I'd like us to start seeing at least 50% of those on goal. You know, I feel like there is at times a lot of wasted possession. And I think um, today there was almost a little bit of hubris and this overconfidence of, ah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get the, we'll nick that goal eventually. And I, I don't think anybody really put it into that, that top gear. Um, you know, as far as, you know, a little bit of what we were saying about Conte, I'm wondering if maybe it's a tactic shift. Maybe we go two, three at the back and maybe four in the midfield and, and let Conte, you know, be in the center with, with Jorginho and maybe just to balance things out a little bit. So um, that and our wings have to pass that ball faster and attack. And, and that we're, we're not playing sorry ball when Williams killing off every, you know, when he's slowing down and downshifting and, and waiting for people to come out to him, you know, you beat that press, you beat that eight man block by whipping good crosses into the box. Well, and I think what I observed when I was watching the match is that most of the time we were, and you made this downshifting comment just now is that we were passing the ball and the ball was either behind the player. So someone would have to pass, you know, move back or is being delivered a little too fast. So, Someone was getting it, but it was kind of quickly bouncing back off them, and they had to kind of track back to get it a little bit. We very rarely in this match were hitting players in stride where they were able to continue taking the ball forward, which really slowed down the attack, Nick. And I don't know if you observed that as well, but it really seemed like we just weren't we weren't connected. We weren't all synced up in the way that we have seen the the sorry ball or sorrisimo kind of pull off in a couple of previous matches. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I, I think the thing that Chelsea is still adapting to, and it's clear that you're kind of, it's like when Bruce Banner is like half Hulk and he's like almost there, but he's not quite there. <laughs> and like, he's still see a little bit of the human side of him is, is Chelsea with the side to side passes. Uh, you saw the ball recycled more today in a, in a, not threatening manner than we've seen all season because I think some players were leggy, some players you know just didn't have it today, um, and there was some of that Antonio Conte you know plotting approach that is still within this team that you know I think uh, Maurizio Sarri will have a challenge to get rid of. Just being completely frank with you guys, um, I, I think you, you've seen really good you know spurts and and moments from this team about how they, you know, eventually want to play on the, you know, on the front foot and really up the tempo and really get the ball moving around in a way that teams just can't keep up with. And I think is even, you know, faster and more dynamic than what Liverpool or city are doing, you know, when it's all said and done, 
but it's not the it's not for the entire game. And I think that Jorginho was a prime offender of that today because he had a lot of passes um, that just didn't he didn't look like he was as sharp as I would have expected. Uh, and and there were two types that really kind of bothered me, Mike Ryan. The the ones that were just kind of directly into Giroud and Murata's feet, where they were crowded out immediately, and there was no real chance to have the one-two in, uh, interchange. And then the side to side, hey, I'm just going to slowly move this along so that other people can catch up. It just didn't seem like there was a ton of fitness going into this. So th- that was just my thought on that. Yeah, I don't. Um, I think I might speak for a lot of fans. Uh, when I say this, I don't know if I'm smart enough to really understand how um, good Jorginho is. I know he's crucial to what we do, but as a, as a Chelsea fan um, who jumped aboard uh, the Chelsea bandwagon, uh, the first uh, Mourinho stint, um, I'm used to a certain identity. Um, and I mean, shoot, nil nil at West Ham in previous years. Uh, that might just actually be according to plan. Um, so I think we're having a little bit of difficulty thinking that we were a certain team. And I think um, I forgot who made the point, but um, I, I think it was a solid one that we've gotten a little bit lucky. Maybe um, we were due for this sort of result. And I, I think it sort of caught up with us um, when it comes uh, to Jorginho. He sort of is what he is. I understand he gets the ball quick. Um, lateral passes and backwards passes often don't get me really excited. Um, I think, uh, the game sort of screamed to me, Ross Barkley, just understanding how dead legged, uh, dead legged everybody seemed. Um, and he's had some opportunity under sorry, by all accounts, sorry, um, kind of likes him and how, um, he's responded to the style, um, he has a bit of selfishness to him, even though to a large degree, I kind of think that he's bought into the system, but I thought that this game sort of screamed for someone uh, being a little bit more selfish to take opportunities. And he had uh, a really solid shot that I think Fabianski made an excellent save on. Um, and perhaps n- not enough credit was uh, being dished out to that incredible save towards the end, because there was a lot of pace on that ball. I just wish we would have seen a little bit more Ross Barkley. And I think that just speaks to the, larger concern about uh, Saudi uh, maybe um, not uh, distributing minutes um, as much as we'd like uh, to some of the other players. So it, bring, oh. it brings up really quick, Dan, it brings up a good point though, is if you look at the, you know, innate skill sets of Kovacic and Golo Kante and Jorginho, you know, and Dan mentioned this earlier, none of those are born goal scorers. I think Ross Barkley is kind of a mix between, you know, what I think Kovacic is and and maybe something a little bit more attacking. I don't even know if he's, you know, what I think Ruben could eventually be, though, from an attacking standpoint. And, I like, it It brings up a really good question because then you have Cesc Fabregas and, you know, Drinkwater's obviously not, you know, in the picture, and you have Ruben. You know, you have all these different options. And for, you know, I think this is where Maurizio Sarri has to take a really good hard look at himself and say, if the game is just kind of, we're you know it's it's fine but we're not really doing anything who is our who's our game changer do we have one you know maybe we don't i don't know especially in the midfield so is it Cesc Fabregas coming off and trying to deliver some balls over the top maybe is it Ross Barkley who has a pretty decent shot from range i mean at Everton he used to score some bangers so maybe maybe that's the solution 
you know, if Ruben gets healthy and, and can contribute in a way, maybe Ruben's the answer. But, you know, in years past, we've had Saskin in like a super sub role. And I think there's been a, a different skill set that he brought to the game um, that, that could be useful. And in a game like this, where I think Jorginho is really, really important to this to the team. Uh, and N'Golo Conte clearly didn't have a great game. And Kovacic was by far the best of the three. Do you do you try and do something crazy different and just and just throw West Ham a look that they're not expecting? Because we're going to see the back nine more often than not this year, just due to the possession that we're going to have. So, Dan, it's my only my my last point on the on the midfield. I know we've talked to talked about it ad nauseum, but should should it, uh, Maurizio Sarri think more about the different scenarios uh, and different skill sets that he has? Because it doesn't seem to me like there's just that much differentiation. Yeah, I think that's the the prime call out, and you know we we were going back and forth on uh, Twitter today. I was talking to a couple of people after the match, and you know one, the midfield obviously has been a huge point of conversation. But my ask to the individual was between Barkley, Drinkwater, Fabregas, Kovacic, Jorginho, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. You know what's the what's the over/under goal total for the season in the in Premier League competitions? You know, does is it double digit? You know, do we get to ten? Do we get to fifteen? So yeah, I, I'd love you know maybe uh, Nick, then Mike, then Mike Ryan. Like, what's your like between all of our midfielders this season, in the Premier League? What's going to be the total goal number? I, I think if this if this midfield, whatever configuration, does not have at least twenty goals, we are in serious trouble. And I know that sounds ridiculous uh, coming off of a game, <laughs> coming off of this game, but I mean it's it's been the you know and really since Frank left, uh, you know, uh, an area that we haven't really fulfilled, and I think that it needs to be fulfilled. Whoever can deliver, and you know, by whatever means, I don't care if it's shinned in like Ingolo Conte did in the first match um, against Huddersfield, or if it's some beautiful long range strike from Barkley. The goals need to come in, uh, and I think that number has to, you know, if, if we want to have the ultimate success this year and, and thinking about the league or an FA Cup run or a Europa League run, that midfield's going to have to deliver. Yeah, I, <laughs> amen to that, but I, I don't have confidence that, that we're going to, not not the way that we've looked even in some of those easier games where we've knocked in three, four goals. Uh, I'm going with, um, I think we're going to get a max of maybe 19 goals out of a lot of them. Uh, which which leaves a lot to be desired, and I think um, I think uh, Sari is looking very much forward to that winter transfer window, uh, especially to to bulk up in, in some of these needs. And and as far as what you were saying with you know Barkley, I agree a hundred percent. This game called for his pace and his uh, physicality, and I, I almost would have liked to see him come on at the half uh, up top for William. Um, and ideally, you know, maybe have RLC slotting in behind, you know, or, or, you know, substituting for Kovacic and just see how that works. Because I, th- I think that Barkley will do it even better, um, being able to run more at, uh, at defenses, Nick, or I'm sorry, uh, Dan, what are your thoughts? Well, let's get, uh, Mike Ryan's, uh, goal total here for the midfielders and then I'll, I'll drop a little last uh, thought at the end Mike you're, you're passing like Jorginho over here you're just, I know <laughs> man you're, you're, you're missing them all over the place <laughs> uh, I, I think 20 goals is, as presently constituted is, is a bit aggressive but there are so many goals there to be had we've seen the opportunities 
um, that you'd anticipate, whether it's RLC or uh, a winter window uh, transfer. Um, you'd like to think that someone's going to put these away, but I'm just looking at the, at the players uh, that are out there right now, and I just don't see how Jorginho and and Conte can do it. Kovacic, I think when he was brought in on loan, he was the guy in the midfield that we were pointing to, anticipating a Conte, Jorginho, Kovacic midfield. That's the dude that's going to be getting the goals. Um, he's so hungry for an opportunity, both internationally and on his club. Like he's just dying to have these opportunities that Salibal will present to him. And um, even though I think he's been pretty good in the system, I'm a little disappointed that he isn't the one uh, scoring the goal. I think we were probably being a little too hyperbolic when we saw uh, Conte shin one in against Hutterfield. <laughs> goal scoring Conte. Um, I, I don't, he's never been that kind of player. It's hard for me to assume that he might finish, you know, you know, with eight or nine goals. I, 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 I just don't see it. So my hope is that the answer is on this team. But as far as uh, to get to that 20 goal number that I think is hugely important for this team to reach. But I don't think the answer is in our present starting 11. If you add in Alonzo, we're, we're getting closer. No, no, we're not. We're but, not doing that. He is a but, defender. He is a defender. He is not a striker. He is not a midfielder. He, he is keep, technically a defender. Keep telling yourself that. I don't, th- <laughs> I don't think he thinks of himself that way. Uh, he, he might not. Fantasy Premier League does not. So I will continue to list uh-huh. him that way. Um, I, I think 15 or, or under is probably the realistic total. We talk about Barkley and, and we'll kind of transition out of it at this point. Uh, Barkley has never scored more than eight goals in a Premier League season. Uh, 12 was his maximum at any point in his career at Everton. So uh, I think even if he does play, uh, it's kind of like the William, um, you know, in, in you know, kind of potentially a you know, scratcher kind of situation, like your punch card. You know, eventually you're going to get an opportunity for him to get a goal, but don't count on it and don't you know tie your you know tie your wagon to it or hit your wagon to it. You know, ultimately, you know, that's that's kind of going to be a unfulfilled prophecy there. So I, I think you know Mike made re- reference to. A January window or even a next summer window, but it's it's going to be about some level of personnel change in the future to really help uh, you know do what uh, you know Liverpool and City have done over the past couple windows, which is construct a team capable of dominating on both sides of the ball. But we have a couple of last thoughts, uh, some quick takes here. Uh, your boy Nicholas Rudiger left the game injured. Calls for the substitution. What are you thinking? Yeah, it's hopefully it was it was more preventative than anything. I mean, I my, my, one of my favorite um, things that's ever happened on TV, and I'm sure Mike Ryan identifies with this all the time, is the the announcer says we we don't want to speculate on an injury, but it was definitely a groin, <laughs> and you're like, well, then you just did the thing that you didn't want to do but uh it certainly did look like a groin um at least from where he was holding it after uh so it's it would be a blow if he can't come back for liverpool uh it would certainly you know i think you know temper expectations because he's our our best defender at the moment i would say and uh and a guy who has has matched up favorably with mo salah and and co in the past so 
if if he's not able to go, Mike Ryan, what what are you thinking for for Liverpool? Oh, we're totally fine. Did you not pay attention to what happened today? Scary Gary is back. Yes. Gary Gary. <laughs> so we're totally fine. Who needs Rudiger when uh, Cahill is playing soddy ball and uh, playing uh, with his uh, with his passing exactly why he shouldn't be playing in this system? Um, this is uh, uh, if Rudiger has gone for any sort of extended period of time, especially with David Luiz out there, because Rudiger a couple times today, I felt uh, sort of made up for some David Luiz mistakes. This could be potentially a uh, a really difficult part uh, of the schedule for Chelsea. I think we we all agree we're not breaking any news here when we say that with Louise back there we've sort of dodged some bullets uh to put it nicely <laughs> breaking news Mike yeah and um, I think a lot of that's been because uh Rudiger uh has picked up the proverbial slack so to see him gone for any sort of fixture is going to be really difficult and I fear that if he is missing games any sort of top of the table uh, shout and scoreboard watching when it comes to Liverpool and Man City might go out the window and you start just holding on to uh, try to make top four again. I think you're going to potentially see, you know, Christensen obviously played really, you know, really solid game in Europe this this past week here too. So we'll probably see him and Luis in some level of partnership if the Rudiger injury truly is an issue. I mean, Christensen probably was not an option just for how much he had played and how little uh, Gary had played. So again, fresh leg situation, but you know, that probably would then also allow you to see Luis being able to play a little, a little more swashbuckling, which is uh, both wonderful and scary of a proposition. (laughs) Uh, It feels like taking a shot of something. You don't know what it was ordered and uh, hoping for the best. Um, And also it means potentially more opportunities to see, uh, land speed records being broken when he makes a slide tackle <laughs> attempt. Uh, I thought says Fabregas held the record previously, but I think David uh, Dava Luiz might have broken it today for his one challenge, which I was <laughs> most assured that it was probably going to be uh, ankles being crushed by his uh, his kind of timing. It, but, it, uh, we didn't see it happen. It did look like the Geico commercial from the World Cup this summer, where the guy's just sliding <laughs> around, and you're like, you're like, man, that. That was a sharp commercial, but you don't want to see a Chelsea player doing that typically. So, um, yeah, it's going to be rough, man. And and it's an area, too, where, like, you know, I think that we all kind of realize that, you know, Ampadu is still really young. But, you know, if he, he just seems like he's kind of the, the the next, you know, great young young player that's going to come through Chelsea and actually play minutes. You know, it could be, a, it could be an opportunity on Wednesday, especially – to uh to blood him early and you know if he plays well then maybe you maybe you start him against the real side yeah you know, you know i'm, 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 not, I'm loving not loving how, how hard you guys how hard you guys been on the center backs um <laughs> i do think i do think you know there are you know, some things there are to some be, things to be you know desired but you know, i desired but i, I thought well gary stepping did in well stepping in didn't give up anything you know and when it comes you know, to liverpool when it comes to liverpool we're gonna have regardless of regardless of rudiger or not so so yeah yeah, you know, you know. I think we're going to go strong. I think we're going to go strong on, on, Wednesday, on Wednesday. Because I don't think because we're going to be able to compete come the, weekend. come the weekend. Well, before we get all sour and dour, let's go through a quick man in the match poll. And you know what? There were only three options this week. <laughs> uh, it was uh, Antonio Rudiger who uh, played, I think, a very good game. Uh, you know, also kind of did a nice job defensively. Forty-five percent of the vote. The uh, you know. Uh, 
Uh, Yarmolenko ends up with 13%. For, how, do you, uh, how do you miss that header? Too low. Like, uh, my, my God. Yeah, we, we need a sports science episode on that, and uh, that would probably explain it for us, Nick. And then uh, 42%, uh, the I prefer not to speak emoji, um, the one that has the zipped lips, is uh, yeah, came in second place. <laughs> so uh, thank you all for your participation. And, uh, you know, no one was really upset this week about it. Uh, a couple people did say Fabianski. Um, who would probably actually be the the truest one because he made probably the best save of the game. Uh, just put put the nose right to it and uh, kept West Ham, uh, you know, got them a point, which is going to be very important as they look to climb the table out of the relegation zone. Um, but as it stands, uh, Liverpool are the only team to go a perfect six for six. Man City and Chelsea uh, both at 16 points. Manchester City ahead on goal difference right now, so we drop to third place. Watford continuing their amazing run to push Tottenham and Arsenal and Manchester United in the fifth, sixth, and seventh spots. Uh, Bournemouth, Nick, continuing their trend downward at this point, uh, trying to hopefully make your dream come true of their relegation as you predicted in the future. Not my dream come true. (laughs) I... Uh, for all the Bournemouth fans who regularly listen to this show, that it's not my dream. I like Eddie Howe. I just didn't think he'd have the juice. I think I think you're going to be just fine, though. I, I've i seen Cardiff City play. <laughs> They're not going to stay up this year, so uh, it's pretty brutal. Yeah, uh, They are actually mathematically relegated as of this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, all right, but uh, that is going to be this first episode of the week. And before we get out of here... We want to thank Mike Ryan for yeah. giving us a little time and joining us for his first episode. Uh, thank you, Mike. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you, guys. Uh, honor and a pleasure. And uh, j- I just so happen to be uh, traveling uh, to the UK uh, for the Boxing Day fixtures and nice. for the new year. So hopefully we can link up uh, one of them. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, and uh, Mike, where where should people look for you? Where should they go find you if they don't? Uh, I mean, you you have almost like like hundreds of thousands of followers and uh you know i mean you're more popular than an instagram model but where should they find you at uh well uh they can listen to us uh on espn radio and watch us on espn news the dan levitard show with stugatz weekdays 10 a.m to 1 p.m eastern time and uh follow me for irrational chelsea and cleveland browns tweets at michael ryan ruiz on uh twitter awesome well hey last final thoughts mike anything yeah, London trip. Um, I actually paid to go on this last year. It was, you know, beyond expectation. Um, so it, it's one thing to have it, somebody talking about it, but to have gone it on it myself, caught two matches at the bridge, it was definitely a trip of a lifetime. So I really, really encourage you checking that out. Um, it's just fantastic. Yeah, and, and, and I'll be there. So nice. I mean, what more? What more do you need? Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, people just unsubscribe from the trip. Hey, That's great. We either just gained a bunch of people or lost a bunch of people. I'm not sure which. Uh, Mike, um, I, I think, or, uh, so, or Nick, I, I think you remember uh, Parks and Recreation and they did the telethon episode. <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, when uh, Nick Offerman, uh, as Ron Swanson, starts caning the chair and they start losing money. <laughs> it's the best. The, uh, the scroller just, just keeps. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, to be compared to Nick Offerman's obviously a dream, and I'm really happy about that. Uh, but, yeah, just everyone, stay positive. We are fine. Even if we get blown up by Liverpool, we're good. 
Um, and, and just keep the faith that Maurizio Sarri is going to get this right after a couple of months and make sure the configuration is right. And all the things that we're talking about will be but a distant memory, Dan. I believe that to be the case. Again, 16 from 18, limited preseason, not necessarily getting all the targets that we needed. Personnel needs to be potentially shifted a little bit. And this was much better than sorry start with Napoli. So keeping all that in mind, still plenty to be positive about. You should still go about enjoying your week. And, and, and maybe next week might be a little sadder, but that's okay. We got you coming with another episode to keep you happy for a little bit longer. But until then, friends, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. We miss you, Brandon.